From RealGhostStoriesOnline.com, it's Tony and Jenny Bruski joining you again for another episode of the program, self-titled Real Ghost Stories Online. Welcome. Thank you for joining us, wherever it may be, on iTunes, on Stitcher, on YouTube, or whatever of the many gazillion platforms to listen to a podcast there are. We thank you for finding us in your own individual way. Of course, we do ask if you enjoy the show to uh, show a little love. If uh, it's your first time, we welcome you. But if you, uh, you've been here a little while and you're going, it's uh, a good show. But give us some stars out there on iTunes. Uh, some positive reviews uh, are always extremely helpful, helping us uh, climb up those charts and uh, having more and more people find us. And uh, I can confidently say now, after watching those charts now for about a month or so, we are the most listened to ghost podcast uh, on iTunes. So that's pretty cool. That is pretty cool. There's a lot of you know paranormal shows and stuff out there, and uh, we are ranking right up there uh, as as the most listened to ghost show uh, out there, thanks to you guys. So that's uh, that's incredibly awesome uh, for our, I guess, our meager existence of. Uh, Oh, yeah, a couple months, uh, five, five, so. six months yeah. or so. So, uh, thank you so much. We're going to keep this thing going and uh, keep giving you more and more great ghost stories as frequently as we possibly can, up to about three shows a week now. And that's all because you guys are uh, supporting us. So, please do keep that up. Uh, today, some follow up uh, letters, a couple calls, and uh, your real ghost stories. One of the uh, follow up things uh, that I wanted to talk about. Uh, this is a comment that came into us about um, the asylum that we talked about. I believe it was the Canadian asylum that had, uh, it was a children's asylum. Remember oh, that okay. episode? The Boy Scouts. Yeah, well, for whatever reason, the Boy Scouts still go and camp there. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, now, that, here's what I'm wondering about that. Only in Canada? I don't, I don't see that that would be something that would happen in the United States. Just with all of the you know, rules and regulations and OSHA, you know, and everything. I would think that that'd be one of those things where it's like, uh, no, we can't do this. I mean, I'm amazed they even have campouts in general anymore. Yeah, And exactly. it's not, you know, like, well, the camping must actually go on in a movie theater, you know, you know, with air-conditioned comfort or, you know, just, or a hotel or something sure. crazy. But, uh, yeah, if they're in Canada, they're, uh, you know, still doing the Boy Scout camping at uh, an old asylum. Anyway, the letter says the asylum mentioned in your search uh, may have been uh, Whitsby Psych, while not dedicated entirely to children and had a children's ward, which I believe was abandoned in the early 70s or 80s due to cutbacks. The ward was separate from the rest of the facility and made up of several smaller scale buildings on the premise, built over top of uh, old war tunnels, apparently. Interestingly, though, the children's ward was bulldozed about 10 years ago to make room for a subdivision. Pretty crazy that some people will be living over the remains of an old asylum ward. Asylum ward and war tunnels. That's just like uh, just a recipe for disaster. I, I know. The war tunnels, though, I mean, there's... I, uh, what type of war tunnels are we talking about? Are we talking about, like, where they built tunnels for World War II in case of invasion? They're, they would have never been used, really, right? No, but I would... I don't know. Anything with a tunnel just kind of freaks me out. Tunnels yeah. in general are kind of creepy. Well, it's interesting, too, because when you talk about those tunnels that were built way back when, you have a lot of deaths involved just building them. Yeah. So he, without war, I mean, you still probably got you know some 
interesting things going on there. Phone number to call is 855-853-4802, 855-853-4802. If you have a real ghost story that you'd like to share with us here at Real Ghost Stories Online, please do call in 24 hours a day, seven days a week to that number and share your ghost story or go to our website at realghoststoriesonline.com. Click on the Tell Us Your Ghost Story button. Yes, let's hear your real ghost story. My husband and I travel to Hawaii a couple of times a year to visit friends and family. We live in California. And I have certain abilities where it doesn't matter if I'm in public, private, whatever. If a spirit wants to come through and communicate to a family member or a friend, they do so, they do so through me. And the only way I can explain it is the room or area will take on sort of a golden glow to me. It's it's like a light bulb suddenly, you know, has a power surge. And in this instance, we were having dinner at a favorite little restaurant of ours in Waikiki. And a Japanese family was sitting at the next table, about 10 of them. And a spirit came through, a Japanese male, bowing and apologizing to one woman in particular at the table. And I don't speak Japanese, but I guess it comes through thought-wise in English, but I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. It happened so quickly. I didn't know what happened. I'm okay, I'm still with you. And it's very difficult to approach total strangers to say, hey, got a message for you from the other side. And I chose not to give them the message. I, we started walking back down the street to our hotel and and he followed me. He was very insistent, please do this for me. So I went back into the restaurant, found a waitress who spoke Japanese, approached the table very politely and passed on the message to this one woman in particular who began crying. Some of the other family members, their eyes were tearing up. And I was told through the waitress translating that, yes, they had brought this woman on vacation to Hawaii. This was a year after the tsunami and earthquake Japan had experienced. And her husband uh, went missing during this horrific, you know, disaster, and they never found his body. And they always wonder, is he okay? What happened to him? And so for them to get that message that he was still with them, and he felt horrific. He felt like he abandoned his family, but he had no control over what happened to him. And it ended with them standing up, bowing to me, you know, saying, Harigato, I think that's what they said. I understand that means thank you. And it, it was tears, but happiness, and, and that was it, you know. We left and uh, went back to our hotel. And we had another instance that happened uh, in Hawaii that I will share another time. But thanks again. Um, the two of you are, are doing a great show. I'm, I'm really enjoying it a lot. Thank you so much. Look forward to listening to other people's stories as well. Bye. 
That was a great call. And to think she was so close to not saying anything and and giving that family that closure. I think that that, you know, they'll forever be grateful for that. That'd be very awkward being in her position, though, too. I totally get where she just wanted to walk away because that could go either way. Yeah, it really could. But I think you, you know, obviously, if the ghost was going to follow her, she kind of had to do what she had to do. Sure. And I'd be willing to bet he left her alone after that. And they were in Hawaii. I was, as listening to the call, I'm thinking, oh, God, they're going to go up to some family of, like, a Pearl Harbor kamikaze pilot or something. Really? Because that's what I was thinking. It's like, Japanese family, they're in Hawaii. They don't speak English. Uh, I'm thinking that's where it's going. I was That totally threw me for a loop with the... Uh, uh, the, the tsunami. You know, it's so f- it's it's interesting how quickly we forget disasters like that that happen in other parts of the world. You know, sure. we just move on and and we don't think about all the the life lost in the ghosts and potential energy there with things like sure. that. Well, I, that's an interesting thought because of the just the so sudden and the the sheer amount. We're talking not just you know a couple hundred people or even you know a couple thousand people that were killed in those things we're talking hundreds of thousands of people just eliminated mm-hmm. uh in their everyday lives just yeah. going about their business and then in now in in the recovery phase they go and they rebuild in a lot of these same places you gotta think those places have to be filled with a lot of energy and a lot of unfinished business when, when things like that occur. I, I think that would be incredibly hard to have that type of situation happen where there is no anything left, no mm-hmm. no for sure on what happened, you know, and, and for them to get that closure, I think that's great. Well, it also makes you wonder about the, the ghost that was with the family that then communicated to our caller there. That's telling me that the ghost is essentially traveled with the family. Yeah. Um, was not necessarily geographically stuck where he died. He was able to still follow around his family and just had no way of communicating to them that he was there until he found that right person to act as the conduit for his message. I wonder how they know, how they know who they can communicate through. I don't know. You know, I wonder. That's interesting. Yeah, though. I wonder what that's like on on their side, seeing and being like, "Oh, hey, she can help me." You know, it's like those commercials on TV where you see like giant arrows pointing down at people that move with them as they walk. That's how it is. It's just, it's very obvious. Is that it? And then then letters that follow people too. You know, it's it's like the yeah the very graphical commercials. It says you know, ghost interpreter, and you're like, oh, there we go. Go something that tell that person what's going on. I mean, they glow. I don't know. I'm going to guess it has something to do with light. Seriously, if I had to guess what it would be, I'm guessing maybe there's like an aura about certain people that would just tell you, okay, this is the right person. Okay. I don't know. That's my guess. I don't know. That's going pretty far uh, for what I would predict is on the other side. Exactly. Uh, 855-853-4855-853-4802 is the phone number to call. Got a uh, another follow-up, and this is uh, following up back to a show we did. Uh, it was like our second or third show ever. Um, it, it was the interview uh, about the, uh, the Conjuring, um, and we talked with uh, one of the women who was actually... Um, 
uh, Andrea Perrin, who's the daughter, or one of the daughters, uh, portrayed in that movie. And she has a book called House of Darkness, House of Light. Um, and this comment is about Ed and Lorraine Warren. And it says, Ed and Lorraine Warren are interesting people, but I believe they have as much credibil- credibility as Malice uh, Mel Fakram. I don't know who that is. Um, from what I've read, many of these exceptional haunting cases popularized by the Amityville Horror Haunting in Connecticut, the Entity, etc., came from an unfortunate combination of broken, breaking homes and overly eager paranormal investigators. When the media at large becomes invested in a story, so too do the homeowners and investigators because there's profit and attention. In every case, there's never been any type of real evidence to back up these investigations besides first-hand accounts which don't hold much weight when said accounts have something to gain in the telling. Additionally, I think many present-day believers in the supernatural find it hard to reconcile ghosts with strictly Christian dogma. I've read first-hand accounts of people saying prayers in the name of Buddha, Allah, and other divinities, all uh, purportedly uh, stating the evil presence in question disappeared upon uh, stating the the deity's name. Uh, even in Christianized parts of China and Japan, Buddhist, uh, Taoist, Shinist uh, exorcisms are preferred. That being said, I do not think necessarily the families involved in the aforementioned cases were outright lying. I've been involved in a few studies where the haunting-type environment was replicated, and those participants who had been told it was a stress study were adamant there was something in the testing rooms with them. Apologize for the long comment. I'm deeply interested in psych- the psychological aspects of the supernatural and firmly believe we must be prepared to dismiss certain aspects of the field if we are to understand it. I agree. Yeah, parapsychology is really interesting, but, you know, you have to wonder how much of it is our mind and how much of it isn't. Yeah, that's it's a scary part of it. And and that's, I mean, I'll dismiss some things, and I won't completely dismiss this story, mm-hmm. or, or say, this person did not see this or experience this, but sometimes there are very reasonable explanations, not only stating for something to physically occur in your house, but for your mind to perceive that something physically occurred in your house, and the most common of which is carbon monoxide. Um, and there's a lot of ghost stories that I think can probably be explained that way. I mean, you'd full well believe. I mean, if we had a carbon monoxide poisoning, we'd probably be seeing ghosts too. And if the, the leak or something resolved itself, we would have no idea and thought we saw ghosts. Yeah, that's true. You know, and I'm not in any way saying that that is the majority or any of the stories that we get are that, but I'm sure it's some of them. Well, like with anything else, you're going to have that handful of people that will fake anything well, to get f- attention. Well, then you got fakes. That's a whole yeah. other, yeah, it's a whole other round yeah. of things. And if you're faking and you're a really good writer, we thank you because you're writing some great stories <laughs> for us and you're certainly making us think. Uh, let's go to uh, another letter. This one comes to us from Oscar Mendoza. Uh, the title of his story, he says, is Zombie Ghost Clown. I can't think of anything more creepy than that concept. That's all your favorites wrapped in one. Zombie ghost clown. All right. Hi, my name's Oscar. I currently live in Dallas, Texas, and I believe in ghosts because I have seen them. I know what you think. Zombies. Really? But my story is true. I've never seen a ghost until I experienced this event when I was nine years old. Now, I'm a father of two kids and a responsible adult. The events in my story are true and have shaped my life, and to this day, I'm scared to go back to my parents' hometown. 
As a child, we traveled to Mexico with my parents and grandparents, and we always stayed in my grandparents' summer house, which is located next to the town's main street. Our summer house has been in, a, uh, in my family for generations. The main street was used for special events like parades and festivals, especially in the summer. Me and my cousins loved going to Mexico because of the carnival. We always arrived during San, the San Felipe Fiesta, which includes a circus, roller coasters, music, dancers. As kids, we'd wander up and down the street eating and riding rides. As you can see, we really loved traveling to my parents' hometown in the summer if I went on vacation. This is where my story begins. In one of my many trips to San Felipe, I believe I just turned nine years old at the time. I was not the oldest and not the youngest in the group of kids, but I was old enough to remember every ugly detail. I remember seeing or sitting on the roof of our balcony at my grandparents' house to see the circus parade passing in front of our house. My grandparents' house was an open-roof villa with three floors, and each floor had two bedrooms, and the kitchen was located in the ground floor next to the garden. To our horror, one of the circus cars carrying the clown lost control and tossed all of the clowns in front of our house. My older brother, who was 10 years old at the time, thought it was part of the show, so he started to laugh and point. So we all joined him because, to us, it looked staged. We realized... It was not a joke. When an ambulance showed up, we ran down the stairs to take a closer look at the accident. My brother was the first to see the bodies, and again, my brother mocked the dead clowns, thinking it was funny. I was horrified and sick to my stomach. Suddenly, my brother jumped back and ran inside, scared. I asked him why he ran inside, and he said one of the clowns turned to look at him and winked his eye. My parents arrived, and they explained to us what happened, and we should pray for the poor clowns. It turned out the entire clown group were thrown from the car and instantly killed. My older brother told my parents that it was impossible because one of the clowns turned to look at him and winked. See, my brother was kind of a bully and loved to make up stories, so my parents didn't believe him. My my grandparents owned this ugly old dog that stayed with them at all the time. The dog was a huge, friendly, sweet, shaggy black dog. We loved him very much. He would be our companion while we explored the old town. My grandfather was a tough military man who always carried a gun and wasn't scared to speak his mind. Our room in the villa was located in the first floor next to my grandparents' room. All the rooms had metal doors that locked from the inside. Our room also had a huge wood door with a baseball-sized hole that opened in the kitchen. The door was really heavy, but it was easy to open. Generally, just a push would be enough to open the door. The night after the accident, all my cousins shared a huge king-sized bed. At the time, I stayed in the room with my brother, younger cousin who was six, and my older cousin, Naomi, who at that time was 15. My cousin, Naomi, was our baby sister. She usually never slept with us, but my older brother asked her to stay because he was scared of the dead clown. So she agreed and stayed with us. Around three in the morning, my brother woke up to really... uh, in a cold sweat so he asked my older cousin to go with him to get some water from the kitchen my cousin at first said no but later she finally got up and went with my brother I was still in bed with my younger cousin from my viewpoint I could see the big wood door straight into the kitchen when my cousin opened the kitchen door we all saw it first I couldn't make out what I saw in the kitchen it was a man sitting on a chair in the kitchen, looking towards the kitchen wall. He had on a clown suit with big shoes 
and bright white hands stained in blood. He looked dirty and wet. From my viewpoint, I only saw the back of a man's head wearing what I thought was a bloody clown mask. My cousin screamed and slammed the door. My brother and my older cousin leaned against the door, preventing whatever was outside from getting in. Suddenly, something pushed the door with a force that moved the wooden door so violently, the door cracked and snapped. I jumped and helped them back to the door. My little cousin started crying and screaming. By this point, my older cousin started to cry and call for our parents. It seemed like an eternity, but whatever was outside put his body, his bloody hand, in the hole of the door trying to reach us. Then it stopped. Then we saw its bloody eye in the hole in the wooden door. It looked like a bloody gray marble. And he told us in Spanish, Let me in, children. I just want to play. Don't laugh at me. Suddenly, my grandfather came out of his room with a shotgun and released his big dog. The thing outside the door stopped pushing on the door. Then we heard the dog fighting with the thing in the kitchen. Then heard a whimper, and everything went quiet. My grandfather walked into our room and opened the big wooden door. The only thing we could see was the body of our old dog with his head snapped. Then we heard a loud crash outside like something jumped from the balcony to the street below. But that was impossible because my grandparents' house was surrounded by concrete streets and stone-paved road. Anyone that jumped to the street would seriously get hurt. Everyone in the villa woke up and called the police. The police came over and found nothing. No broken windows, no ladders, no jump on the balcony. Whoever came inside the house did break in but already was in the house. Again, that was impossible because our dog would have smelled him out. The kitchen smelled like a dead animal and the seat was covered in black liquid. Later that night, I overheard my grandfather talking to the police investigator, and he claimed to see a man wearing a bloody clown costume, but that was impossible because all the clowns died in the accident. The police investigator told my grandfather to pray because it have been El Diablo, the devil. We never returned back to my parents' old villa. To this day, my brother and my cousins tell their friends the same story, but no one ever believes us. I can tell you one thing. Whatever we saw was not a person. Even my grandfather was spooked. The next day, my grandfather invited a priest to bless our house. My brother never really recovered from this experience. We've had several nervous breakdowns and counseling. Thank you for listening to this horrible experience. I have other scary stories I've experienced. Let me know if you want to hear any more. Yes, I'd like to hear more. I do. I hate that they saw that as children. I mean, just to see the accident is enough to mess a kid up. Sure. But then to have that happen... That, that would push me over the edge. I can tell you that. I think it's one of the creepiest stories we've ever had on the show. Yep. Oscar, you win. <laughs> that is, that's one for the archives. Yes. That's one. Gosh, I think that's one we should bring back on Halloween. Um, my God. So, yeah, I want to hear your other stories because that was one hell of a story. Um, gosh, I don't even know how to react to that. I, I mean, I it, don't either. It's, it's like something out of a movie. So, I do understand why when you tell people this, they don't believe you. Um, but I, I guess I, I'll say I believe you. I believe 
I believe you believe what happened, and I think something like that certainly happened to you. Well, that and all of them had that happen. And, and the, yeah, for multiple the brother, people, yeah. For the brother to continue to have nervous breakdowns, not only the stress of dealing with that, but then yeah. not being able to share what you experience because people not believing you. I can totally see that. I mean, how do you that. go into a psychiatrist's office and tell them that story? I think you'd have to find one that specializes in, in parapsychology. Yeah. Wow, that was... (laughs) I don't think I've been speechless after a ghost story. I don't think I've ever heard you be speechless. That's... That was great. Yeah, (laughs) it was. That's a great story. I mean, a horrible story, but that was creepy as hell. I mean, the whole time, just the... It was just filled with images that ran through my mind of just the worst things I don't want to see. Yeah. I mean, a little clown eye looking through a... That's... it's, It's interesting because zombies are a topic that... I kind of, you know, I love zombies. I was a zombie for Halloween every year as a kid and including as an adult pretty much any year I've dressed up. Um, But it's always been a topic and a thought that I've just never really put much credence to as far as being a legitimate ghost. Just because, I mean, a zombie's a zombie. You know, I, I don't really think the possible I never really fear walking through a cemetery and a hand's going to come up and the undead are going to start walking around no I don't I don't have that fear but I do have the fear of like the bath salts guy in Miami that ate the other guy sure something I could see or, that. or a mutation of a disease or somehow we've built up an immunity through all the antibiotics or some crazy thing that we we do every day ends up turning us into yeah. a zombie type person not a traditional come back from the dead because i don't think that's going to happen but the whole acting like that i i could see something like that happening but this thing though almost sounds like a zombie yeah yeah it does it's probably it's probably probably does honestly if we're to to classify anything if those bodies were taken away they were taken away i doubt it was the actual body of the clown that was killed if anything it was like some sort of demonic entity that was festering, you know, and maybe one of the clowns was involved in something pretty dark and in real life. Yeah. And then that in, essentially came back. Oh, I don't know. What was the black liquid on the chair and did the police test it? And what was that? Yeah, that's a good question. Because to have a, a some kind of physical residue. Yeah. That's... Well, there is a such thing as ectoplasm. Um, and that's been uh, found in real haunting sites and whatnot. And essentially, it just ends up being like kind of a benign protein of some sort. Okay. Um, that essentially, it's kind of, it's wrapped, you know, equated to something that you naturally find in nature of just kind of a slimy substance. Um, but it does exist okay. in, in haunting cases. So when you, you do see the, uh, the Ghostbusters slime or Amityville with slime on the walls or something. There is a basis to that in reality. Okay, that, see, I didn't know that. I thought that was just for movies. No, there actually, that does occur. It's rare, but it does occur. Okay. So that's that's my guess as to what that likely would be. And then they bottle it and sell it to children. But uh-huh. no, but it, seriously, it does exist. Okay. So 
Yeah. Oscar, definitely write us with the other stories. Yeah. 855-853-4802 is our phone number. 855-853-4802. With your real ghost stories, call in 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And hey, if you're liking the show and it's your first time, give us some positive reviews there on iTunes or Stitcher or YouTube. Uh, iTunes, some stars would be lovely. It helps us grow the show. It helps us get higher in the rankings and more people find us and we make a better show for you every single week. Let's go to another caller. Hi, you're on the air. Hi, my name's Christy and this happened to me when I believe this is the end of my high school year and we had to move out of our old house and move into this old little house that we rented. Well, one day it was hot and my mom had her friends over and her kids and you know we were just hanging out and we decided to go to bed early and after they went to bed I remember watching my room we shared a room and I fell asleep early because I was really tired and I assumed that he fell asleep right after me because after that I had this really vivid dream and it was me and my friends hanging out and a couple of my friends you know I saw their face and I recognized them and it was a good dream. But then all of a sudden, uh, one of my friends came super close to me, like to my face. And I felt this hot breath on me and it smelled so bad and I woke up. But when I woke up, I couldn't get up. I was, I don't know if it was my body or something, but I, I couldn't move and I freaked out because I kept feeling that hot breath on me and I tried yelling for my brother but um, I couldn't move or I couldn't talk at all and then I started to pray to myself thinking that it would help and all of a sudden I heard this growl in my left ear I believe I heard this very awful growl and it freaked me out really freaked me out and after that growl I heard um my mother's friend, one of her child, woke up crying. And I was just so freaked out. And all of a sudden, I my body started to move, and I woke up, and, and I got up, and I felt so, so, I don't know, like the tension, I guess. Like, I felt super scared, and I started to cry, and I woke up and I told him to go get my mom because I was freaking out. And after that happened, my mom came in and she was making sure that there was no one in our house. She looked through the window, made sure, and I told my mom, you know, I think it was something else. I don't think it was an actual person because it just it didn't feel like a person. And then after that, my mom, you know, she told me, why don't you go and take a shower and calm down and come into my room, you and my brother, you and, uh, um, you and Armando, my brother, and we'll, uh, we'll just stay in my room for the night, and then in the morning we'll, we'll figure it out. So when I, when I went to the bathroom, and I went to take off my shirt, I saw these red markings on my body, and it scared me because you know, when I was sleeping, it felt like like I couldn't move. So maybe it was some kind of entity or ghost that visited me at night, that night, and did that to me. 
Well, it, the whole thing creeped me out. And um, ever since that day, I haven't slept in that room. And thank God we're not living there anymore. We moved. But it's strange how just that one little incident just happened to me. And, you know, it, it made me believe because I really, I, I really didn't believe in like the paranormal or anything like that. And yeah, thanks for hearing my story. Bye. You know, that sounds a lot like that other story where the guy thought he maybe left the garage door open and the wild dog got in because he had the the sleep paralysis type symptoms with, mm-hmm. with something growling and breathing on him. Is that is that something you hear about common, uh, pretty commonly? or With a sleeping issue? Mm-hmm. Kind of like the old hag syndrome, yeah. but maybe with a dog or a wolf or something? Um. <laughs> With with that, what you hear about is really it can be anything your mind's projecting out there. So, um, if you're projecting zombie clowns in the other room, you could see zombie clowns if that's what you were dreaming about that night. If if I mean, that's what you're gonna be dreaming about tonight. Great, I can't wait. <laughs> um, what is interesting, I think it, it kind of goes back to whatever an individual's like fears are. Mm-hmm. So, if you have an innate fear, you know, deep down of a dog attacking you or, you know, just that idea. Um, that would likely be what's going to be projected out there in your your mind uh, when you're opening your eyes. Um, so, I mean, but it, it's one of those stories that's interesting because it could be one of two things. It could be the sleep paralysis thing. It could be she was seeing real things and experiencing real things. I have no doubt that this yeah. happened to her. Sure. I was just curious if that was a a phenomenon yeah because that's you know that's the second time we've heard something like that just since I've been on the show sure sure yeah it's usually when you got the growling and that sort of stuff going on it's never uh, you know Casper the friendly ghost that's where you start seeing hoof marks okay um, shortly thereafter if it continues on Um, so not usually a a good thing to try and mess with Mm -hmm. you know or I guess you know I think sometimes when people have these things, they, they continue to try and investigate them further, which would be the natural thing to do, I guess, if it's going on in your house. But I think sometimes that continues to stir it up because you're giving it attention and acknowledging its existence. Okay. So, I know it's interesting because then you have people saying, oh, well, you can get it to go away by willing it away, which I I don't know how well that works. There's a lot of people I think would like to will these things away and they don't necessarily get willed away all that easily. Okay. Uh, 855-853-4802 is the phone number to call. 855-853-4802 with your real ghost stories. Uh, Amanda is writing into us. Amanda writes in, when I was 14 years old, my parents bought a house in Cornersville, Indiana. It had been converted into a two-unit dwelling in the 1950s from what had been a one-room schoolhouse in the early 1900s. Here we go, schoolhouse. Yep. I like schoolhouse stories. They're always haunted. The house now is a single-family dwelling. My parents got the house cheap. It was being sold by a couple who were divorcing. They had five children. Several years before, their oldest son had been shot while cleaning his gun in his bedroom. The later died at the ho- oh he later died at the hospital. It was determined to be an accident because the gun had a defect and he was shot in the abdomen and had not been depressed. 
Knowing this history, it was creepy to me and my brothers. My parents didn't believe in ghosts, so it seemed like a great opportunity. <laughs> so did Amityville. <laughs> we settled in and <laughs> things seemed fine for almost a year. At age 15, I started spending large quantities of my time in my room. Many times it would seem that I would suddenly come into focus uh, while apparently in mid-sentence like I was setting on my bed talking to someone, yet no one was there. Other times, I was about to enter my bedroom, and I would think I heard people talking, but when I opened the door, no one was there, and the sound was gone. Other times, when I was in my room, it would feel like something evil was there, but I couldn't see it. I had this feeling it knew, I knew, it was there. And if I acknowledged it, it would appear. It was a terror battling between... Should I stay and pretend I wasn't afraid or get up and run out of my room? Sometimes it would feel like something else would come in and cause the evil to leave. This stuff would happen often for a while, then nothing for a while. Due to a history of mental illness in my family and that I hadn't actually seen anything, I convinced myself that it was in my head and probably a chemical imbalance after all. I was a teenager. I didn't tell anyone what was going on, though. It was a source of embarrassment. With this, I went on with life and determined to not be a prisoner of fear. From the time I was little, my mom would check on me before she'd turn in. If she thought I was awake, she would try to be inconspicuous. If I turned to look, she would pretend to try to scare me. As I got older, it wouldn't be as funny to me. I say this because at about 16, I woke up in the middle of the night and thought my mother was standing there. I didn't open my eyes. I hoped she would just do her check and then go to bed. She stayed and stayed. I finally called out, Mom, go to bed. That isn't funny. Usually she would snicker at this point. There was no sound, not even that of her clothes rustling when she'd hurry out. I was so mad because I didn't like to be awakened like that. Swung my fist out where I knew she was standing and hit nothing. I jumped out of bed and turned on the light. There was no one there. It scared me so bad that I started sleeping in the floor in my parents' room. My mom asked me why I'd started that. I finally told her what had been going on. She had a group of people from her church come in and had a prayer over the whole house with emphasis on my room. A few days after that, I'd gone downstairs to turn off the lights before bed. I felt like I was not alone, but not in fear. I turned to see who was there. I saw a young man in jeans and a flannel shirt walk through the hall about 15 feet from where I was standing. He turned toward me and disappeared. I stood there for a minute, wondering if that really happened or if I imagined it. I didn't feel the evil in the house anymore, but I often felt like something was lurking right outside my bedroom window. My room was on the second floor, and you could tell by the design that it had been the roof area in an entrance to the school. I had a friend visiting one day, and we were talking about creepy stuff. I told her I used to love to hear those stories, but not anymore. She kept glancing out the window as we continued to visit. Finally, she said, I know this is going to sound strange, but it feels like there's somebody out your window. I was shocked that someone else felt that. I covered the window and went on with life. A few years later, I left home and married my husband, commented that he did not like going to visit my family after dark. I asked him why. He said, when we pull into the drive, I'm overwhelmed with dread. 
When I get out of the car, I want to run to the door like I'm being chased by a monster. If they don't answer the door right away, I feel like I'm going to die from fright. It occurred to me that I'd been feeling that for years. I told my mom about it, and she said, you know, I feel that too. I thought I was just afraid of being out in the country in the dark. But a month later, I was driving by and noticed my whole family was sitting outside on the porch after dark. I'd never seen that before, so I stopped to see what was going on. We had one of the best visits I remembered. Right before I left, I said, this was really nice. Why didn't we do this when I lived at home? My mom said, I spent years pulling up and running from my car in a hurry to get into the house. All the time, it never occurred to me that I had the house blessed, but left it on the property. I had the group from church come out and push whatever it was out into the yard, too. My mom did not believe in ghosts, but she believed in angels and demons. When I was in my early 20s, my mother realized her dream and opened a cosmetology school. My parents had owned that house for almost a decade by now. I didn't really think about the things that had happened to me there anymore. A few years later, the woman who had sold the house to my parents came into the school to get her nails done. It was time for the students to leave for the day, but the woman's service wasn't finished and the student working on her hand had an appointment after the school that she couldn't be late for. My mother told the student to go on and she would finish for. Everyone else left. My mom and the woman were the only people there. As my mom finished the manicure, the woman asked her if she could go out and walk through the house sometime. The woman explained that she wanted to see if it still felt like she remembered. My mom said, oh, we took care of that problem. With deep emotion, the woman said, you got rid of my son? My mom said, your son wasn't there. My mom continued to explain that she thought it was something demonic. My mom said the woman started shaking and covered her face with her hands. Startled, my mom asked the woman if she was all right. The woman put her hands back on the manicure table as she realized she was still having her nails done. Through tears, she said, if I had known that my son would still be alive. As my mother was telling me about this, the next day I asked why the woman said her son would still be alive. My mom told me the night her son was shot, he yelled from his room for his mom to help him. He yelled, it's got me. And she heard the gun go off before she could get to his room. After that, I felt like I experienced the stages of grief. I was so angry at that woman for selling us that house, knowing there was something terribly wrong. I felt really sorry for her family for what they had gone through. I was relieved that I wasn't crazy. It also occurred to me that we were all in really extreme danger there. I also noticed that my family deteriorated during the time they lived in that house, and most of them haven't recovered during those years. I seldom see any of my family. I experienced other things of that nature in my life while living in that town. I had a daughter and became a single parent. I put all of my efforts toward building a positive life for us. We moved to Indianapolis and had nothing like that happened during the 12 years we lived there until the first rental house we lived in when we moved to Texas two years ago. I would think that with them, she said there's a history of mental illness, that that just makes them prime targets. Yeah, and that's not saying that 
someone with mental illness is, is making these things up or seeing them. It's that the entities are targeting them. That's what I mean. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and, and then when you have that history of mental illness, it makes it that much harder for people around you to believe what's going on. Sure. Um, I would venture to guess the boy in the jeans and the plaid shirt were probably the son that died. Mm-hmm. And I, I would be angry too knowing that there's a demonic entity and you sell it to a family that has children. Knowing what happened to your own son. Yeah. Yeah. Or did the mom... I wonder if the mom understood, the woman who sold the house, the original mom, if she understood that it was a demonic entity that was in the house. Maybe that's just what she was figuring out while she was getting her nails done was that there was a yeah. something else going on there. That ain't been the revelation right there. You're right. That probably was it. I don't know. I would... I would venture to guess that house had to do with them, you know, getting a divorce, too. Uh, It just seems like a box of dread. Yeah, it just festers and infests people, and eventually it wears people away to, you know, nothing, and then moves on to its next victims, and that's what you see so many times in, in homes like that, where it's something so dark. And again, I go back to, why is it a school? Why are these things happening you hear so many haunted schools i don't have any idea i wish somebody could write in or call us and answer or give us a a, a thought that we you know because we don't get it i don't know if it goes (laughs) back to the energy that was expelled at such a time and it's just it's not it's a hot box for energy maybe has nothing to do with the children that pass through those schools other than the energy that was expelled there is still just festering there and it becomes a essentially kind of like a portal for good, bad, whatever is nearby uh, to essentially take over. Well, and it seems like it's the old schools. You don't hear too much about a new school having a problem. Maybe it takes years and years of of that to go on. And, you know, who knows? With kids being able to see things easier, maybe it's something that followed a kid to school and just stayed. Could be. You know, I don't know. I mean... It's an interesting thought to you. Then you can also go on the path of kids, uh, especially in the older days, who were much more exploratory, probably got into a lot of places kids today wouldn't have gotten into. Uh, probably a lot more places where there could have been some dark things that could have followed them along. I have you know? no idea. I don't know. If you have a real ghost story, write into us. Go to our website at Real Ghost Stories Online. Click on the Tell Us Your Ghost Story button. Or you can always simply call us 24 hours a day, seven days a week. What's the phone number? Do you know it? Huh? I have no idea. <laughs> I'm sorry. I didn't write it down. Ah, I'm going to ask it again later, and we'll see if you get it. If you get it correctly, I'll give you a piece of candy. Oh, wow. <laughs> Let me make sure I commit this to memory. I'll give you a dum-dum. That's, awesome. that, that's been the candy of choice around our house for bribing our children lately, by the way. <laughs> uh, 855-853-4802. 855-853-4802 is the toll-free number. 24 hours a day, seven days a week. In about uh, eight minutes or so to tell us your story. And most stories can very easily be told in that time. So please uh, give us a call with your real ghost story. We would love to hear it uh, in your own words. Next letter comes into us from Jason Kennedy. Jason writes, when I was 18 years old, I got a job working at a major laser tag change uh, in some place in Ontario. I can... Oh, this is a fun city name. This is like Mississippi, but it's for Canadians. Mrs... Mrs. Agua? Mrs. Agua. 
I think that's it. M-I-S-S-I-S-S-A-U-G-A. I wonder if they have a song. You know, like, you know, they have a song about the Mississippi, M-I-S-S-I-S-S-I-P-P-I? Sure. They probably do. Okay. And the children sing it in circles. Uh, for American listeners of the show, Mississauga is a suburb outside of Toronto. There we go. Because he knows no one knows where it is. It's about 20, a 25-minute drive uh, on a clear traffic day. Okay. I worked this gig for about six years. The main clientele were children having birthday parties, and we kept a very family-friendly atmosphere. So while some children were a little spooked by the dark maze, we never thought we uh, ever have it. And experience anything scarier than someone turning the corner to be blasted with a plastic laser gun. But we were wrong. One Sunday morning, I arrived to start my shift, only to find my manager standing outside. My first thought was, well, he has the key. What's he waiting on me for? Got out of my car and shouted to him, what's going on? We not opening today? He replied, I'm actually waiting for someone to go inside with me. Something happened late last night when I was closing up. The next part sent chills through my body. Last night, I had some work to do in the office, so I sent everyone home and I did my paperwork. When that was done, I came out to count the till. It was about uh, halfway through when I, all of a sudden, through the loudspeakers, I could hear a faint child's cry. I immediately ran to the back, thinking we might have left someone back there. There's a kid back there, but no, there's no one there came back up to the front desk and tried to stay cool, but it happened again, this time louder. Jay, I was literally frozen, scared out of my mind. That's when the crying turned into a child laughing. I responded only with, what? What did you do? Uh, I bolted and went straight home. At this point, I didn't really believe him, but sure enough, as he turned the key to open the door wide, there was the till sitting on the counter money still in stacks half counted you have to understand that was extremely out of character for any of our managers you don't just leave the night's worth of cash laying on the counter we were unnerved and while we opened together that morning we didn't leave one another's side this was the first time i thought my place of employment might be haunted on another day it was in the maze cleaning this meant i was Sweeping with all the lights on and cranking some sweet 90s rock music. Now, all of the lights are controlled by one light switch, so what happened next didn't make sense to anyone, including me. The front set of lights near the entrance of the maze flipped off. I went uh, to check the switch, and sure enough, it was up. I flipped the lights on and off, and all of them came back online. I walked back to the maze, continuing to sweep, a little wigged out, but I had a job to do. Again, the front lights cut out, and then, so did the back. This was intense, and I was getting pretty agitated, so I moved to the center set of lights that were still on. That's when they began to turn rapidly on and off. I tore out of the maze, bumping and crashing into walls, and finally burst out the door to the front of the house. I stopped dead when I caught the eye of another co-worker, staring, jaw-dropped, at our label machine that was continuously spewing out tape. We both took an early break at that point because all this stuff was happening and I thought myself to be a visionary 21 year old with a camcorder I decided to film a short documentary about the happenings we got some creepy secondhand stories I threw some scary music under it and wrote the uh, lamest script ever but something did happen 
while we were filming that I can't explain. Well, I finally decided to film inside the maze. I was speaking to a worker, and his back was to the wall. We're having a conversation about the size of the maze and where most of the scary stuff had happened. Now, I didn't see this when I was filming, but while I was editing, you can clearly see there's something walking behind the man on camera. No one else was in the maze, and the shape moves very quickly in a crevice of the wall. It's blurry, but it does look like the shape of a person. There's been more stories that have followed. Feet running on the top level of the maze. No one is there. Packs firing by themselves. Even a misty figure was once seen in the corner of the arcade area. The business is still successful, and workers have nicknamed the spirit Marina because they think it may be of a young woman. And the maze, also called Arena. Before I sign off, I really just want to thank you for bringing us uh, all four to share our stories, Tony. I think the show is terrific, and it always gives me a little fright to listen to other stories that have happened to listeners across the globe. I wish you all the best, Jason Kennedy. Uh, Jason also sent us the link to his video, so we may have to take a little look at that. And uh, we'll probably post it on the, uh, the website as well. You go right ahead. No offense, Jason, but I'm not going to watch it. You don't want to watch the video? You don't want to no. watch the scary figure that's... No, and I don't watch any of those ghost shows either. That that stuff sticks with me. Yeah? I can't get that kind of stuff out of my head. That's why I don't watch those... You just co-host one, that's all. You just, you just don't... Uh, well, for whatever reason, of course, I'm going to be dreaming about zombie clowns tonight, but for whatever reason, I can do this, and it doesn't seem to get to me. It's when I watch stuff that yeah. it, it just really... It freaks me out. I applaud Jason for making this video as, you know, as corny as it may be, you know, to do that. That's, that's pretty good. I'm going to, I'm going to have to watch this. And that's always creepy when you got a haunted workplace. And it's, what makes it even more creepy is the fact that it's, you know, it's like a children's place, you know, and it's something that you go to for fun and to just, you know, not think about stresses and whatnot. And God, I can't imagine anything creepier than being... You know, in, you know, the fun arcade-esque atmosphere of a laser tag type place, closing down for the night, knowing you're the only one there, then hearing a child's whimpering in the background, and then it slowly changing to kind of an evil laugh. I want to know what what either happened there or whatever was there before the laser tag place was there. Yeah. Jason, you should look into that. See, uh... If there's any sort of history within that structure itself, uh, or uh, if there was uh, any sort of uh, you know structure there, you know previous that had something going on in it, or and this is far fetched, but for whatever reason it popped into my head, if they got the laser tag stuff from somebody else, what kind of history went on where it was used? Hey, there's a thought. Because that sort of stuff actually, uh, that stuff gets sold at auctions, and because mm-hmm. a lot of those, it's a high turnover industry. You know, they come, they go. The equipment gets sold to another laser tag. But anything that has to do with children is kind of a target anyway. For not not just the paranormal stuff, but for bad people. You know, yeah. so it kind of just makes you wonder. Yeah, that's that's an interesting observation. Uh, what could be causing this 
Get back to us on that, Jason. That's your assignment this week. Your homework. That's your homework. But thank you so much for uh, for writing in and sharing that uh, that story. I'm going to put this uh, video on our, our TV at, in the bedroom tonight before we go to no, bed. No, you're not. Watch it you'll be sleeping night. by yourself, buddy. <laughs> If you have a real ghost story, give us a call, 855-853-4802, 855-853-4802, or you can always just write into us on our website at realghoststoriesonline.com. We would greatly appreciate that, as we appreciate all the love you've been giving us, making us the most listened to ghost show on iTunes. Thank you so much for that. Let's keep that going. Some stars, some reviews, some love, all of that helps us to, uh, to maintain that and get even higher. Uh, in those rankings because there's uh, still a lot of ways to go to get up even higher and uh, and, uh, help us get more ghost stories and uh, make this a better show for you guys. So, until next time, uh, for Jenny Brewski, I'm Tony Brewski. Thank you for listening to another episode of Real Ghost Stories Online.